Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Bet UK is empowering the everyday wins. Cheeky grins. <laughs> Big conversations. Budding aspirations. Our goal? To make EdTech accessible and teaching exceptional. Join the global education community on the 24th to the 26th of January 2024 as we make education better together. Visit www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. Good evening, edgy folk. How's your betwixtmas going? Apparently, this is what we call the time between Christmas and New Year. Uh, some people like that term, some people dislike that term. I'm not even entirely confident what day it is right now. Um, and I don't think we need to know at the moment. I think that actually we just need to uh, roll with it at this point. Um, while I'm here and just whilst we're awaiting for my esteemed colleagues to join us for this evening's Staff Room 101, I should remind you that this show is sponsored by John Cat Educational. Uh, they provide a wide variety of educational publications. And whilst you may have missed out on getting something for Christmas, don't worry, because our lovely discount is still available for you to... Um, to use which is jcttr2324 so if you're looking for some new reading material for the new year then that discount is still available to you so go and check out um, all that is available on their website and uh, i'm sure you'll be able to find something to send yourself off into the new year or start yourself off as it were i can see that my esteemed colleagues are now with us mr tom hopkins burke and mr nathan ginn and we are here to do one of my favorite things actually which is staff room 101 so if there's anything that particularly irks you in education we've got a few things that we're looking to put into staff room 101 this evening but we also want to hear from you is there any Anything that's been kind of niggling at you that you just think, oh, I just wish this did not exist in education and I really have got a good pitch to ensure that it goes into Staff Room 101, then definitely get involved this evening. But in the meantime, good evening, gentlemen. How are we? Hello. Hello. Do you know what I was? I was about to say I can guarantee that at HB Pretense's sound isn't working because that is every single time. I do this with him. I say, are you, can, are you, you can hear me, Tom. I can hear you loud and clear, Nathan. And nor, normally, what would happen at that point is he would pretend he couldn't hear me, and we'd do that for about two to three minutes at the start of almost every... every. It's, it's time-wasting. It helps us get, get to the 90-minute get to mark, Nathan. Um, you're internally grateful. 
Anyway, um, yeah, welcome to Star Room 101. It is uh, my favourite show of the year because it is the show where we decide what we um, remove from education. And a lot of the rules about Teachers Talk Radio get thrown away. Um, except, well, what are the rules? We're not allowed to slander anybody. Um, we're going to sound a little bit close to that line um, today, I think. Um, and so I hope that... Um, we have Tom Rogers has the lawyers ready. Um, any other rules? Uh, well, for anybody who's never listened to Star Room 101 before, who might be listening here for the first time live, or you might be listening on demand, here is how it works. It's slightly based on a copyrighted BBC TV show with the same name or a very similar name. And what happens is um, we put up an item so to speak, an, a thing, an item, a concept, a person, could be anything really, but we want to remove from the world of education. And we discuss it, we discuss the pros and the cons of throwing it away, locking it away and throwing the key away, and then at the end we make a decision either via um, our wonderful panel or via audience participation. So... What sort of things have we put into Star Room One One Hundred One in the past, Nathan? Okay, well, you know, we 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 uh, we range from the small to the large, as you say, and from the petty to the important. So, you know, we have put in. I think we've put in things like verbal feedback, stamps. You know, small uh, petty annoyances. We put in using the wrong cup in the start. You know, the the they're small and the petty, all the way up to sort of really big large concepts like you know we've debated homework we've talked about um even even people as you say like uh, whether they be education secretaries yeah i know like he, he, he i don't think Jean, i don't i don't think we put julian keegan in we didn't and i i believe that was because we at that point at that point we we were undecided on what her impact would be also i think, I think we H may have hb wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt i think that was that yeah. was you being kind well, we've probably had the benefit of the doubt by now, so I imagine she, she's ripe for for discussion <laughs> on on whether she should be joining some of her esteemed colleagues. Who uh, well, general election will be May the second, so maybe we could have a pre or post election um, special. Yeah, I mean, we're we're due a new education secretary, surely. On on current trends, we, we we must be. She's she she's ridden at the course. I think she'll be there until the next election. You reckon that's it? They either they either they they, they either make it past that kind of one term window, or and they stick around. That's what we're saying. Yeah, and if 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 slash when, um, Julian Keegan decides, um, she you know if no, that's not the right thing to say. If slash when the Conservatives are out of government at the next election, um, she'll be running for a party leadership without doubt. It'll be her versus Braverman. And no, do you know what the, 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 this whole conversation brings me on to? Like a, just a little grumble that I will have about the hierarchy of things of of subjects. Um, HB, you might not be familiar as much with this being secondary, but in primary, certainly the the way uh, you know our, our government sets up these things is nothing to do with your ability in it. Basically, you know, there's a hierarchy of subject leadership in primary school. And when you start, as you know, your first couple of years, you might get a smaller subject or a subject that no one wants or something vaguely related to something you do. Then you work your way up to the, the bigger things. And it seems that way with our education secretaries, with the government in general, you know, like they, uh, it's, it's not something they want to do or have a passion for. 
it's like a stepping stone to a bigger job. That's that's how everything works, though. That's not just subject leadership. I suppose. I mean, I suppose it is. In a secondary school, I'd say the equivalent would be taking on the little TLRs. It might be Duke of Edinburgh. It might be literacy. Well, that's my TLR. It might be, um, I don't know, um, sort of one year TLR three projects or whatever, and then slowly building up to maybe leading uh, the subject or then maybe going to be a head of year, head of um, faculty, then going up into maybe head of careers or something, then going up to assistant, et cetera. That's how, that's that's just how, that's how it works. You don't get someone in secondary though. Schools are little different to any other workplace and any other institution. They're full of people who want to climb a greasy pole all the way up to the top. You don't get someone in secondary who's like head of drama and then goes, do you know what? I'm going to jack this in and go and be head of science. That, that, that way it doesn't work, which is what the equivalent... No, but, that, that, like, but um, that's, that's how secondary schools are different to government. Yeah, primaries aren't, though. That, that, that kind of thing does happen in primary. Like, yeah, I'm in charge... This year I'm in charge of drama and uh, French, and next year I'm going to be in charge of maths. And it, you just jump around. So very much more like a primary school, our government. And I, I would say that probably more like a primary school classroom uh, than than the staff room. Anyway, I, I you know we get distracted, but we digress. We digress. Um, anyway, Nathan, I thought as it's Christmas and you know in this in the spirit of goodwill, I thought I'd let you decide the first item up for discussion um, to be put into staff room one hundred and one. So, Nathan, what would you like? Okay, um, to recommend for staff room so one hundred and one this Christmas. I cannot credit the person who who I saw this off because I saw a tweet. And then I related to it slightly and, and certainly in past previous schools, I, I relate to this. Um, but, you know, someone saying that they were having bad dreams about school. And, you know, for me, we've literally only just broken up, you know, Christmas, our Christmas breakups late. But people are getting that. I, I'm going to term it as back to work dread, maybe work related uh, anxiety, we might call it. Um, you know, I don't know. We, we're going to call it something like that. We'll, we'll work out the ins and outs of it. But what I'm saying is that thing where you're supposed to be relaxing it's supposed to be your holiday and you maybe have a bad dream a restless night's sleep you can't settle to eat your uh you know your chocolate selection box or whatever it is you have left at this point the rest of the the sausage rolls that were left over because you have this uh, panic and anxiety about going back to work which for some of us is in like a week and a half anyway so i'm i am suggesting we eliminate from teaching um with our magic wand that we have in staff room 101 we we throw away the anxiety of returning to work so we can enjoy our holidays does that make sense i've got two questions for you yeah go on question number one when did you break up for christmas this year uh it was um we had a twilighted inset on the friday the 22nd i think it was that so technically broke up on the 21st Okay. That's Question number two. Then. Sorry to interrupt. You had because I remember you saying something about this. A twilight inset on the last no, day. No, a term. twilighted one. So, twilighted. so yeah, we'd done the hours, so we got the day off. One of those ones. Oh, so, okay. so yeah, so we didn't have to do the inset because the hours had been made up for elsewhere. I'm sure that's a fairly common thing. Like I, I'm, I'm sure yes. other people will yeah. have done something similar. Uh, for that Friday, yeah. you can like uh, bank your hours or some some something like that, isn't it? So yeah, so but so, that, some schools. That was my first. My son's school broke up on the twenty second, last day. Okay, yeah. 
Second second question then, Nathan, is um when do you return? Oh, it's like uh something like the the eighth for an insert, I think is that the Monday, and then the ninth we have students back. I think it's around then, okay. isn't it? That's the Monday. Tuesday. I break up on I break up on the twenty second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um we had a half day, I was out the door by half one. Um we return staff, we return on the fourth. What day is that, Tom? What day is that? It's Thursday. I think my sister's school is the same. She's over England somewhere. I think she said something yeah. about having to go back on like the Thursday and then the Friday. I think because it's before the weekend, it makes it seem that the numbers seem much worse as well. Well, yeah. So we're back on. We have an in, we have an inset on the fourth of January, um, which is the Thursday. Now we have a we we we've been told it's a continental style inset in that we're going to start at nine, finish at half one. And not have a break in the middle, and finish early. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that chimes with Lucy at all or any of our international um, colleagues. Um, and then the kids return on Friday the fifth. Why? Now, what? What? Why? Now this is not this is not our school's decision. We all we all as a school we always have an inset on the first day back um, in after Christmas. Anyway, it's our sort of subject specific inset where the heads of department lead the day's activities. Um, but the county council sets term dates, and so they've said we come back on. You know, schools should go back on the fourth, which is Thursday. So other schools which won't have an inset day, they'll have two days back of the kids. Um, Whereas our kids are going to be back for one day and then it's the weekend and then they're back on the Monday. So we, I'm not sure what I can say about this, but we're having an unofficial sweepstake um, in our staff room about what attendance will look like on the first day back on Friday the 5th. Um, whether it will start, with, maybe it might start with a seven. Um, that's what I think. So high 70s, I think, which would be remarkable. Um, normally we're roughly national average, I think. So... Yeah, I'm getting that back to work dread already because today is Friday the 29th. So this time next week, um, I will have taught my full day, well, a four, four out of five. And this time last week, I'd just come home from teaching a half day. So I am halfway through my Christmas holidays. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got to plan some. I've got to plan some lessons, not just for me, but for um, the rest of the department. I'm ready to go on Friday the fifth, uh, which I haven't started yet. I know what they're going to look like, but um, I haven't started planning them yet. I've got some marking to do, but I said oh, I'll do that over Christmas and don't really want to. So I'm starting to feel that back to work dread already. I think, and so I should get exactly. I get exactly what you mean, Nathan. Um, so, given that this is, but the thing is, if we put this into staff room one hundred and one, the question will be, well, what, what, it, can we just lock it away and it disappears because it's always going to be there? So, are we going to go tough on work-related dread, or are we going to go tough on the causes of work-related? Dread? Well, I'd like to hear from anyone who has a solution to either. So, if you're listening in and you have a way of avoiding this. I would love to hear that because you know, like I'm, I'm not saying it's just work. I I, I have like uh, just uh, socialising related dread. I have uh, <laughs> you know household chore related dread. I have a lot of uh, a, a lot of those kind of anxiety dread type things. You know, is it? Do I need to be doing yoga? Do I need to? You know, is that what? What are my New Year's resolutions? I'd be open to suggestions if there are other ways to get rid of it. Um, and now, one one person who might be quite good at um, verbalizing um 
this issue of work-related dread, given that they've led um, schools and they've led staff, is um, our speaker, who is Maxine, um, who is a wonderful Teachers Talk radio host. So, Maxine, I'd love to bring you in here to talk about work-related dread. Um, is this something you faced as a school leader um, at the end of holidays or midway through the holidays? Um, and what were your solutions? OK, so, Tom, thank you so much. Wonderful to join you and to, to be part of this. Thank you very much. So, yeah, work-related dread, I'll be honest, I'm going to share a story first. I'm going to go back, I think it's about three years to when we weren't quite sure whether schools were going back or not going back after Christmas and something was announced on New Year's Eve and, oh my goodness, as a head, that was work-related dread at a at a sort of, you know, enormous level, not knowing are we planning for... Um, and it was the same for teachers as well. Are we planning for virtual teaching or, or going back in and, and risk assessing up? And um, I, I actually still occasionally have some um, thoughts back to that when I'm, I'm thinking about this. So first, Nathan, yeah, it's huge, isn't it? This work-related dread, we've always had that. And I think part of it is about when you're out of the habit and it's great to be out of the habit. So, you know, you, you describe you're, you're out of the habit of, of cleaning the house up or you're out of the habit of going back in and then making that change and going back and making something part of the norm is something that can make things difficult. Um, I wonder whether you have or whether anybody else who has work related dread and I, you know, I certainly have had this and I, I can relate can write down what are the things that you are dreading what what are they can you can you verbalize it is it is it getting up in the morning and you know that's there's probably not a lot that your your school can do about that unless you're going to to change your hours and shift all that around but is it is it a particular student in your class and then as a school leader i think you know what I'd be be wanting to do, and I know Claire's on here as well, who she's listening in, who leads on well-being at, at her school. What I'd be wanting to do is see what are the things that are causing that dread. Are there any particular issues that when you wake up in the night, when you when you're worried, or is it a particular student? Is it particular patterns of behaviour? Is it workload? Is it worried about how you're going to get things done if you've had to take work home over the holidays, which we'd all like everybody not to and you know that working in your holidays is something would be great to put in one in room 101 so there are a sort of whole complex bunch of, of issues there but I, I definitely agree that it's something we should be discussing and something we should be working out ways to get that into um, room 101 and get it totally banished because as a school leader thinking back the worst thing I would hate to think and I'm, I'm sure there are plenty that were but I would hate to think that any of the the team were dreading coming back because that's not going to make them effective great teachers and do the great job when they are back so i wonder if any of that resonates at all with with anybody else that whole idea can you can you think about what is it what is the what is the dread what can we do to take away any of that well you know i'm going to put it out here that i i think okay uh, I, I don't know if this is the right word. Existential is that it? Like I think it is. Like I, I, I'm not sure that there is much any. I don't, like maybe is this part of teaching? Do you know what I mean? That's what that's where I'm at with this. Is that everyone talks about it? Everyone, everyone, you know, mentions it. It's so normalised that like people are putting out. Yeah, I had my first uh, work uh, work bad dream of the holidays. You know, stuff like that. It was a tweet like around that that I saw, and I was like, oh god, like you know. 
does everyone feel like this is this is this normal you know where like that's 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 a that's a kind of uh weird thing like we put out a poll i pinned it in in the, at the top of the uh the top of the space here somewhere i think it's like 65 percent of people who've responded 156 vote votes 65 percent of people have said they've had a bad dream about work yeah. this holiday already. Yeah, and, like, it's certainly common, Nathan, but it shouldn't be normal, should it? We shouldn't be sitting here saying, well, no, that's just one of the things that should happen if you're in teaching. Um, it's it's not OK, is it, to have that level of, you know, anxiety, of worry that creates that sort of dream that that's or anything that's disturbing your dream that's that your your night's sleep that that is pretty terrible and i think like you said you talk about ex- existential tra- crisis and you talk about um the idea of normalizing and i think that is something we definitely need to get away from as a profession that whole kind of no we just need to toughen up we just need to do yoga yeah there are things that we can do to help ourselves there definitely definitely should be and we you know we've all got our responsibilities to be as good as we can but there are some things there aren't there clearly in the profession that if we've got that that number of people who are feeling this way it's not normal and it's not right hv uh so we we've got a a kernel for an idea here right are you happy with my uh proposition that it's it's pre-work no what did we call it like pre-work work work related dread work related dread is is the thing we want to get rid of now uh, maxine they're sort of suggesting that that there are things schools could do about it this this you know people saying this isn't you know suggesting this isn't a normal thing so it's uh, this for me feels like something that we can put in i i i struggle to think though are we going to find anyone who's going to argue against this going in you know, is there someone out there who's going to suggest that this is a motivating factor in some way? Is it what's getting me out of bed in the morning, getting me to get dressed and have a shower for once this holiday? No, it's not, Nathan. And I'm going to come in with one thing, though, and just with another view. Is it also a sign that you absolutely love your holidays and love your time out by the beach and doing all those all sorts of wonderful things that you do? Um, because I think it's important that you also note that that's a really good thing if you do get some time to do that type of thing. But nobody's going to argue, surely, against wanting to keep this level of, of anxiety that people are feeling in there. Well, what we've got is we've got Paul, um, friend of the show and friend of TTR, um, ready and waiting to come in. Um, and Paul has already tweeted us today and has said, going back to work anxiety is definitely going into Dream 101 in the form of dreams, cat a glimpse of the folders and laptop or thinking about what to wear on the first day back, Christmas presents given, which are work clothes. So Paul's trying to switch off over his Christmas holidays um, and yet, you know, he's been given work clothes for Christmas. So Paul, talk to us about why you think um, back to work dread, as I think we're calling it, deserves to go into Star Trek 101. It is, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for, for having us on. Um, it's my own fault because I asked for some clothes for work. That's how exciting I am on my Christmas list. But the the thing is, is just, it's everything outside of school is always there. So you leave school and every now and then you'll just sort of think of, oh, I've got to do that next time or I've got to do this next time or, oh, I can't believe that happened today. And it's always just sort of there in the background. 
and dreams and reoccurring dreams and things like that where you suddenly wake up thinking oh i've got that i've got to do oh no forget it i've done it or it didn't even exist and it's just a, a constant always in the back of your head thing as a teacher to be fair um there is there is one way of um of getting around it but it's a complete state of mind so is, is it in spain i think there's a, a saying or maybe it's um Cape Verde, where I went on holiday once, they said mañana, something like that, is it? Where they say, oh, it's okay, it'll, it'll do till tomorrow, it'll do till tomorrow. And as teachers, I think we have to take on that kind of philosophy a lot more. And it's okay, it'll do till tomorrow, it'll do till, till tomorrow, as much as we can, so we don't actually have that anxiety all the time. Otherwise, we get to where we are, where we're just driving ourselves into the ground over and over again. Yeah, thank, thank you for that. Um, again, though, I know somebody, Nathan asks, is there anybody who could possibly argue against putting back to work dread into Staffing 101? I, I struggle to fit, like, it, it's very easy for us to sit here or stand here and go, look, we can let's put a state of mind into Staffing 101, whereas what I think would be more productive is to really, you know, work out what the active ingredients are in terms of what is causing the back to work dread it will be different for different people and then putting those into staff room 101 the counter argument about which i think we've heard is very much well actually you can't really quantify what is you can try but actually it's it is a state of mind and it's a concept which you know haunts teachers um going back to work so got an interesting debate and an interesting discussion going on here um i'm just having a look to see um catherine taylor um, one of our other hosts has um, tweeted in you can tweet in if you're listening live there's a lovely speech bubble down the bottom right of your screen catherine has said duplication of data entry and not using automation to get systems to talk to each other this is workload at its worst i mean having to put mm, the same data into more than one place is definitely going to be an interesting one for staff in 101 um and i know that there's a lot of people going back to work who are you know might be going back to year 11 mocks or year 13 mocks um and all of the data that is associated with that there'll be a lot of middle leaders who will be worried about the numbers and things like that as well so yeah um it is what we've got it's 5:25, so I think in the next five minutes or so, we're going to have to take a vote on this in terms of back to work dread going into Staffing 101. So let's go back to Nathan, um, who's going to make the final pitch, I suppose. OK, right. So I'm, I think that it is possible collectively, if we banish it and say that this, this shouldn't be a thing, what we do, we are we are removing a burden that there is an expectation. Now, like, you know, I don't want to get at you, Tom, here, uh, but you are you've in your introduction said that you are going to do some marking you are going to do some planning these things that are a burden on you right because in some ways a teaching profession we can't accept that we switch off like it's um like uh, we've talked about martyring before martyring ourselves i think it comes from somewhere at that that's what i'm suggesting so i think if we say you know take a stand and we say as teachers look do you know what don't dread going back to work enjoy your time off because that's what you are supposed to do that's what makes you a good teacher that's what makes you a, a more healthy teacher you you need to do those things and we do not need uh, to be having 
nightmares, stress-induced worries, panicking, cutting our time short with our families um, so that um, to, to, to put more into teaching when actually I think the gains from putting, the gains from you sitting and doing uh, an extra half day planning compared to, as Maxine suggested, what I'll do, which is spend an extra half day down the beach, you know, that will hopefully prepare me for a long and healthy term putting my most into teaching. So that that's my pitch, Tom, for why back to work dread should be banished from the profession. Is there anybody I can see that Paul um, fully supports that? Now, Lucy, um, even though she is the admin, has put her hand up because she's very polite. Um, so, Lucy, um, what would you like to say at this point? Sometimes I just interrupt, don't I? But I thought, oh, I better put my hand up. No, really nothing to add apart from, um, Nathan, I'm surprised that uh, SUP yoga hasn't already become a thing for you. And if you're not posting photos of this in 2024, I'm going to be most disappointed. Do you know how cold and windy it is down on the beach here? Right. <laughs> so can you, like, like I, I'm guessing, uh, what's the weather like where you are, Lucy? Well, I'm currently in the UK, so... Oh, yeah, uh, OK. Well, what's the cold. weather like where you teach um, currently? Pretty... What will it be? About 15, 16 degrees in sunshine, probably. Okay, were you going to say cold then? You were going to say pretty something. Um, pretty... pretty mild, actually, is what I was going to say. Pretty mild, right? Because, like, I, I've just been out on the beach down the Gower and it is blowing a gale and the surf is, you know, a good six foot swell going on and there is no way I am balancing on my head <laughs> on, a, on a surfboard <laughs> to do yoga out in South <laughs> Wales at the moment. I can tell you that. That, that is not an option for me. I might okay, be able maybe... to do it in my living room. But yeah, <laughs> beach yoga in Wales at this time of year, it's, 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 it's not going to fly, I'm afraid. Okay, well, maybe when it's a bit warmer. But, um, I mean, I, I struggle to balance on one leg on land, and I do a bit of paddleboarding, but I found combining the two to be quite problematic, even on calm water. But as and when you get the opportunity, you might fare better. Yeah, no, I'm seriously up for it. If there are people who have suggestions of things that I can do to help me, you know, I, th I think there's something really valuable there. But it can't be just like, I don't know, I don't want it to get into that. I don't know, Tom, maybe like that. You, mm, what, what's the word? I'm like, You know, like for lip service, is that it? Where, where, like, I agree with what you're saying. We need to get rid of the causes, not strap something on of like, hey, do you know what, teachers? I know work's really stressful, but do a bit of yoga. It's like saying I mean, so much I'd, calm down I'd, when I'd they're angry, that isn't it? entire it's mindset like the... just after one to be honest. The idea that teachers' well-being can be solved by some cake and some yoga, um, it's oh, more yeah. harmful and more detrimental. Um, and I've had this discussion, this debate um, with my head teacher actually in the last half term, but also with co other colleagues. Um, and we can delve into this, I'm sure if there's a future show in this. Um, well-being is when you take things away, not add things on. Um, but anyway, I, I'm I like feeling... that, Tom. I like that. That Someone tweet that out so I can remember it. Yeah, somebody, I, I like put, that. somebody tagged me in it, Lucy, as well, um, say that I'm attached to that catchphrase. Um, That's a good so that catchphrase. I'm, I'm I'm Just in case you need it again, well-being is taking things away, not adding things on. Um, and I think there is always a place for a nice little coffee morning and, you know, yoga or whatever but ultimately that's not what gets to the crux of a matter so yeah work related dread for me yeah we we could scrutinize it further and be tough on the causes of work related dread but actually i think if we put work related dread into staff room 101 all of those causes no matter what cause it is for you will also have to go into um 
Starframe 101 by default as well. So I'm very happy to put star work-related dread into Starframe 101. Nathan, would you like to do the honors? Well, I, I, hang on, I've forgotten how to make the sounds. Hang on, oh, it'll, it'll be down there somewhere. Now today, this hang is on, a really good. Oh, oh he's found no, it, that's so. not it. That's not the one. Uh, is it that one? No. There's a, there is a toilet. I'm looking for it, but oh, there it is. Yay. Fantastic. We that's why I'm not allowed to admin. All that, all that work-related dread. Stop fussing around, or admin will take away. your privileges away. Thank you. Um, all the work-related. All, all the work-related dread is now flushed away, and you now that you all of a sudden a weight has been lifted off your shoulders because that's how Starfin One Hundred and One works. Now this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their le latest releases? Use the code JCTTR two three two four. That is jcttr2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. So if you forgot to get the teacher in your life a Christmas present, it's still 20% off at the John Cat Bookshop. Now, we've got, I just want to say a big um, warm good afternoon slash evening to our listeners. Um, first of all, we're going to hear from Claire very soon, Claire Cannon. Claire is our latest, newest Teachers Talk Radio host. She's going to be actually sharing the Friday Twilight um, slot with Maxine every other week. Um, so they're alternating. So that's going to be really good um, to listen to Claire in the future. We've got Miss C. Nakazi, who is a primary school teacher in Southwest London. We've got Miss P. We've got Sam, who's a regular um, staff. 101 listener we've got james um good evening to you we've got damon who is listening from alaska we've got paul hazard we've got hannah wilson we've got brent we've got the main man himself tom rogers um and we've also got Catherine taylor in as well now Catherine, as a speaker and the ttr host this is a bit of a show where we, nathan and i and lucy sort of planned this in advance um and this is the half an hour or so where we take the guest contributions so Catherine, welcome to staff room 101 what would you like to propose to put into staff room 101 this christmas well it's going back to hi everyone it's going back to that um that point i made about duplication of things and i just really wish that ed tech companies would talk to each other and plan with each other to have a bit of inter interface compatibility. Because the things that I really hate are where you keep a spreadsheet of your data and then you have to put your data in somewhere else or where you want to give a but you want to give a, a merit point or a behavior point or something like that and then you have to um, put it in one spreadsheet and then put it on a pastoral spreadsheet as well. And I just wish that you know, just the incompatibility of systems just for me drives up teacher workload. It's like so, so poor. And I just wish that they would sort it out. So I'd like to put incompatible ed tech into uh, room 101. Yeah, I mean, there's always a case for putting, I mean, I mean, I, I quite like the idea of these ed tech companies trying to say, oh, well, you can use all of this stuff in your classrooms for teaching and learning. And then actually it turns out that the vast majority of schools nowadays, certainly um, secondary schools, they ban mobile phones or mm -hmm. technology in the classroom. Um, 
EdTech, incompatible EdTech. It's like when you use, say, I don't know, when you, if, you, if you're Google school and you've got Google Classroom for everything and then all of a sudden you're asked to do something on Teams. Um, I, had to sit, I, I had to sit in a meeting on Teams um, as somebody who uses Google Meet for everything or Zoom. And, yeah, it was really, really weird. I had to download a whole new app. So, yeah why can't we just all use the same thing um, and it's with google especially it's really hard because if you've got a personal google account everyone everyone if you get sent a document then your computer and all the cookies on there remember your personal google account and so you can't open the, the document you've been sent and it's just a bit of a nightmare yeah, I, I have to navigate between, I think it's now four different Google Drives and four different Google accounts now for everything, um, which is my personal one, my work teaching one, um, the main TTR one and my TTR one as well. So, yeah, it's often when I open Google, it's for luck of the drawers to whichever <laughs> one comes up. Um, but no, I mean... I want to get Nathan's thoughts on this, particularly around duplication of data, because Nathan, you've worked at a primary school where it's, you know, data galore. You've also, you know, you've been a senior leader where there's a lot of data. There's, interestingly, of course, um, there's been this clamour from the Independent Schools Council um, to allow teachers to become a teacher without GCSE maths or an equivalent. Um, but there's so much data involved that data literacy and sort of being numerate is so essential. So this whole duplication of data thing, Nathan, where do you stand on it? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to drop in. I'm, I'm, this this may well blow your mind, but um, here in I'm in Wales, right? We developed education. My son, who's six, was talking to me today about his hub login, which is all of us have. The it's a hub, um, hub, so it's a Welsh word, but uh, we all have um, education, government, um, dedicated email addresses, uh, Microsoft accounts that we can just log into that are given like on entry to primary school and stick with you. So he has an account, I as a teacher have an account, they just they are given to you, and it, and it is it's like really, uh kind of mind-blowing then when you look across to England and, the, and it's such a fractured market and I, I, I think there's something there we of course don't have academies here in Wales so that that unified one uh, thing for everyone so everything's compatible is maybe slightly more uh, of an option but it isn't because it's a free market right so obviously then you go across and uh, you know some that people are using uh, class dojo some people are using class charts some people are using a different platform altogether all of those things are slightly different right so we've got um a problem that we create for ourselves right um but but right and and here's the thing we then create our own spreadsheets okay so i guarantee you that there is probably someone who you know whether or not it's through sims or an mis platform like that whether it's in excel someone wants some specific amount of data so they're going to do something the easiest way they know which is probably using excel because everyone knows how to use excel mostly right so everyone starts off in there now the bit for me is you personally I would open the doors, put the investment in to, to flood the market, to allow people to say, like, actually, do you know what? As a school, we want it to be able to do this and we want you just to be able to do it and, and, and have the funding or the allowance or the, 
the, the support there to be able to do that. Because I know of senior leaders who are talking to the big organizations, you know, your class dojos, your class trusts, those kind of things, and saying, look, can you put something in that does this? Because it doesn't quite meet our need in school. And that's where it all goes wrong. Every school is different, but the platforms are one size fits all. And so you're always going to run into this problem of it not quite meeting the need, which then means someone's going to build a patch or a way around it or find a, a way to make the data they want, which is normally through Excel, because that's the, the cheap free option for most most professionals. And then that means someone's got to enter all the data. And so someone's got to put all the numbers into that spreadsheet. So that's where the duplication happens. And for me, that's a problem for us not having enough uh, tech skills, data, data management tools at our fingertips, um, rather than having too many. Does that make sense? Have I rambled, Tom? I'm trying to say we no. need more access, not less. I think I think you I think you have made sense there. I want to talk about my particular data horror, um, which is um, in terms of duplication of data which is the wonderful world of a question level analysis now secondary school teachers if i if i said the words qla to you um is that something you would be aware of paul's putting his thumbs down he might have as in he might know what a qla is um and i can see that hannah definitely knows what a, might know what a qla is i suspect um max i don't i don't know to be honest basically a question what what is a question level analysis a question level analysis is where say your students in year 11 or whatever have done a full pass paper and you give them you know you market it section you have to input the marks for every question onto a spreadsheet for every student so for me in history that's all right because the most we ever do in a mock the year 11 is we do three papers so that is you know six pa six questions per paper so that's eight that's 18 questions i have one year 11 class which at the moment which has about 25 kids in so how many data points am i entering there 18 questions 25 students um my math says that's approximately 400 i think um 400 data points 450 sorry 450 data points now if you're a geography teacher or if you're a math let's say you're a maths teacher and i don't know how many questions you have on your typical gcse maths paper but i reckon it's about 25 okay and let's say they've i don't know how many maths papers they do i think they do let's say they do two maths papers at gcse nathan will know how many maths papers typically uh you're a maths exam yeah like two papers two papers so 20 so let's say you have a class of 25 um again and you do two papers this time and there's 25 paper there's 25 questions on each paper so that's 50 questions and 25 students now my maths again is very rusty but i think that's 1250 data points or am i completely out there 25 times 20 was it no 25 times 50 um 1250 data points now my question is who's going to look at that qla nobody really cares because you work you know what questions they're messing up on as you mark it and you can share that via whole class feedback you can tailor it you don't need a spreadsheet to tell you that 
because you just pick it up as a teacher yourself because you mark order for question 17 so let's say as a math teacher and like oh they really haven't understood this concept it might be circle theorems or something you're like right okay i'm gonna have to go and do a you know diagnostic therapy whatever with this particular concept i might have to reteach this i might have to model this again in the classroom you don't need a spreadsheet with a column full of zeros or ones or whatever to basically tell me this uh, as a history teacher i'm okay with it but again i don't need to input this data as a history teacher because the lowest mark question we have is four this doesn't actually tell me anything you might have two students on your spreadsheet and they both got seven out of 12 on the same question and one of those students might have really really strong knowledge but just not really linked to analytical the other student it might be really well structured writing but it's lacking on the detail that number doesn't tell you anything and then somebody probably in a trust or in the senior leadership team will come and say your student struggled on this question and i'm like yes i know that and look this i'm going to do something anyway so i'd like to put qlas into there um but there's other data horror shows which you know there's a whole show in that we've got a couple of hands tom um, can so... i just throw in for you as well this happens at primary with sats your two sats your six sats ah. question level analysis is, ah. is a primary thing as well that they'll be doing uh, when they're running through mocks and you'll agree with me you know where they've messed up or you know where they've done well because you've marked the paper i like a qla tom Oh, I'm, I'm gonna like. I, I would argue for QLAs. Do you know what? Where I would disagree with you is why? Why are you doing it yourself, right? And that's where again I'm saying we need more. If if somebody else, everyone's doing the same thing, it's a waste of money. Where if we could get them externally marked, if you could send them off, get that report back, those kind of things. That's where that's where the saving is. People think that teachers' time it has no value, right? Actually, for you to spend you know, a day doing that, that's 200, 300 pound the school's wasted, okay? Or not wasted, the school has spent, right? They've spent, by having you do something that takes you a day to do it, they've spent 300 pound. Teacher's time is not empty time. It has a value. And if you can pay someone else to do something, I think you should, if there's value for money in it. I think Maxine says, keep a note of what students can and can't do. General patterns to inform future teaching, spot on. No need for a teacher to do all of that admin. Yes, it's an argument I've had um, in the past. I've said, you know, we have admin staff, data staff. Um, can they not do this as well? Um, the answer I was given was, well, you know, as a teacher, it's beneficial for you to do it because you can see where they've done well and where they haven't. And I'm just like, off mark for solving things. I know, I know where they've done well. I, I know where they haven't done well. I don't need to put it all in the spreadsheet to validate that for me. Um, we've got two hands. We've got Catherine and Paul. We'll go to Paul first, then Catherine. So, Paul, feel free to unmute yourself and come on in. Yeah, I, I hate it. I absolutely hate the question analysis. I say. I've marked the papers. I know which questions they're getting wrong. And no one else looks at all that analysis afterwards anyway. If we had no lives outside of school, we could analyse everything to the nth degree. And yes, it might give us a little bit more information than we need, but oh my God, what a waste. It's just a waste of time. It really is. I'd throw it in with, with weights on it. It's just awful. That's, that's another that's another one on my side there, Nathan. Um, we've got Catherine, who was the person who suggested duplication of data in the first place for Starfield 101, so it might be a good moment to, go to come to Catherine on this one. 
Yeah, I I do like the question level analysis when it's something that I'm doing um, or looking at from external exams. Um, as you say, when you've marked it yourself, you already do have that familiarity. So I do agree that that's a bit of a extra task that needs to go in the bin. But what I will say is I agree with Nathan that we, we shouldn't have to actually do it. And the exam boards or the external um, sort of people who who look at all of this stuff should provide it. It should be downloadable. They should you should be able to get the Excel spreadsheet. And I'm going to say I think you probably can get it, but I find those interfaces utterly baffling. It takes me like three days just to log back in every summer because um, I forgot my password. And I think that you know if you could be provided, give me a spreadsheet. I will crunch it. I will get some insights out of it because in those cases I haven't marked the papers, so that is quite helpful but in general um yeah no i just think that you know if we if we should find somebody to produce a spreadsheet we can analyze it or even get ai to do that that would be great but we shouldn't be physically sitting there doing it so this is a part of staff room 101 where we have to get the sort of it's a bit like in the house of lords the house of lords has turned up here to amend the bill that we're going to put into staff room 101 um, we started off with um duplication of data i've gone down the road of qlas i I'd, I'd quite like to agree on something we could put into staff room 101 and for me it would be excessive data entry for teachers how about that nathan yeah, I mean, I'm happy with that. I mean, like, I, it's interesting. I should, you know, I should have been asking about like exam types as we're going through because I think, you know, if you had a maths teacher on here, maybe who who has like a lot of final individual questions that that span lots of different topics, I think they might be saying something different to us about the the power of a QLA. I understand, like, if if you've got kind of you know eight marker questions that are you know, written as, uh, as, as continuous prose, it might be a, a different kind of thing. Um, so, I, you know, I'm going to put that caveat in there. I think the mm. data entry part, though, I'm fully on board with, you know, get someone else to do it. What, yeah. what, why is that part of value to teachers? Teachers' time is not empty. Teachers' time is not free. Back in the wonderful days of a previous government, we had um, a list of tasks that teachers should not be expected to do. And it had been floated that this was going to return. Now, I just want to make a correction um, to a point I made earlier. James has um, corrected me on this one. Thank you. There are three papers for GCSE maps, not two. So no. when I said in a, in a full mock series, if, we, if I did a mock exam on all three papers, um, for one class of 25, I previously said that a teacher would have to do 1,250 data points. I was wrong. It's actually 1,875 individual data points and entries of marks. Um, but somebody would have to do on a QLA for GCSE maths. So thank you for that, James. Excessive data entry into Starfire 101? Well, you, net me now? Yes. Yeah, oh, I yes. can do it if you like. Yeah. I need to find. I need to well, find. No, no, all the thumbs. The thumbs are all up. The thumbs are all up. Yeah, I thought you were I've asking me for a second then. I thought, yes, yes. I I've, played, I've played the toilet sound. So um, another good opportunity for me to remind you that this show is brought to you in partnership with our sponsors, John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit John Cat bookshop at johncatbookshop.com 
to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. I think we have time for one more crowd um, sourced entry for Starfield yep. 101 before we move on to the one that I really want to do. Now, I've Fine. noticed that Hannah's called in um, as a speaker. So, Hannah, do you have something you'd like to put into Starfield 101 this Christmas? Hello. Um, I would like to put in target grades. I think that when they come up from um, kind of primary school and we set all these target grades, grant if we need them to kind of set sets, but then they kind of follow these kids for the next five years. And even I get target grades for art that are based on their kind of maths and English. And they're not quite relevant. Yes, um, I... I think I feel like we've had this discussion before in Staff Room 101, but I'm more than happy to have it again. I teach one hour a week of Year 7 music, and I'm given a set of target grades roughly around November of basically how these students, have, well, this yeah, this time, how these students have done in their Year 6 sats, and therefore the target um, they are predicted to reach at the end of Year 11 music, based on how well they've done in their maths and English. Um, it, make, it makes little sense for history, but it makes much more sense in history than it does in music um, because you know history I, I think there's a strong correlation between performance in English um, year 6 year 11 and also in history um, a lot very similar um, similarities in there but for for subjects like art music PE to an extent although it has a written element um, even things like maybe computer science as well um, drama drama's got a written um, coursework element I think uh, but certainly in a subject like art or in music um, there are a load of nonsense and I think it's I, I think target grades are useful at a cohort level at a school level looking at sort of overall progress and um, progress eight I think is a strong measure um, which has helped to sort of move us away from this attainment only um, accountability towards actually progress based on your cohort although there are problems especially the excessive weighting it gives to schools with a high EAL cohort which makes me look as though the school is doing better than it actually is um, and also you know it's not fair on those schools who have particularly high levels of deprivation but I think target grades at the individual student level here comes the House of Lords again with their amendment target grades at the individual student level I think are a massive waste of time and I think if you looked at for a correlation between school um, avoidance or sort of you know um, I can't think of a Nathan will know the term that we use sort of school refusal and performance at the end of year six there might be a surprising correlation between the number of students who have done well at the end of year six and those who end up sort of at secondary school end up becoming school refusers and persistent absent absentees nathan where do you stand on this well, on target grades school-based anxiety i think is the word you're searching for there tom yes thank you yeah nathan. um uh, target grades for me are yeah it's an inaccurate science right and I think um, I'm, I'm just pulling up some numbers here. So there's there's something like uh, some report by the FFT that found teachers reporting target grades were too challenging. 50% of humanities teachers said that the target grades were too challenging. 60% of English teachers said their target grades were too challenging. 70% of language teachers said they were too challenging. 
you know, it's an inaccurate science and, and, and particularly with whatever you're using to set these target grades, whether you're using something in your school, you know, on entry at year seven, where you're doing some kind of cognitive assessment tests, or whether you're using SATs data from the end of year six, if that's how your school works, you know, different schools in different countries will have different approaches to, to how they're doing that. But it's not an exact science because those things, whether they're key stage two SATs in England or whether they be CAT scores, don't tell me anything about how well a certain child is going to do at 16 at music. You know, how well that child is going to relate to the, the changes in not only themselves, but their schooling and the structure of, of their day as they transition from year six to secondary school. Um, all of those things, you know, it's such an inaccurate science. And my worry is that it's not communicated as an inaccurate science. It's communicated as a as, as a flight path, as a trajectory, as a fact. And if you fall off that path, you know, then, then there is something going wrong. You're not going to get higher than it. And that, you know, we talk about that. That's the um, Golem effect where, you know, the, the, we, we set our targets too low or we might set them too high. And at best, we get the Pygmalion effect where, you know, we get My Fair Lady and people uh, exceed beyond our expectations because we had higher expectations of them. But are we communicating that accurately? Where these targets have come from, what they really mean, because I think in shorthand, it's a really bad message. You know, if it is just a letter or a number on a bit of paper, poorly communicated and sent home, you know, your child should be aiming for this. Or telling that to a student without the nuance to it, I think that can be really damaging. And so, I, you know, that's my big concern. An inaccurate science that is often put forward as an exact science, you know. But I think they're good at a cohort level, not as an individual level. Yeah, see, I agree. I don't think we should actually give students their targets. I think it should be something the teachers know. Yeah. But actually, we just guide them and push them to be able to produce the best answers they can and enjoy their subject and produce the best work and reach their potential. But by putting that number on them, it just puts so much pressure on them. There is an excellent blog post, this historic, this must be about eight years ago or something before I started teaching. And I won't advertise who it was because I can't remember who it was, but it was about hot dog eating, competitive hot dog eating and the anchoring effect whereby the record for most hot dogs eaten in a certain time period had remained very, very steady for several decades. And then all of a sudden this person turns up and doubles it. Um, because they didn't focus on the target, they focused on how much they could actually eat. And I think it's a very similar principle here, but actually I think they're completely worthless at the individual level, um, but are more useful when considering the progress of cohorts. Uh, I think beyond the class size, I think, you know, I, I teach, you know, if I think about my year 11s at the moment without wanting to sort of break any sort of data problems here, um, I've got some students whose target grades too high i think and some students whose target grades are too low and you know you look at sort of you know when cisra goes green when you know these students are making above average progress i'm just thinking well actually i don't think they are really i think they're just doing as well as they are because as somebody's put here claire has put actually um she has tweeted students are not robots following a linear trajectory makes me so cross um paul has said don't tell me but i'm not doing my best for the child by judging from his greater depth in year six because they're in year two um 
so yeah, Nathan, anything you want to add quickly on this? Yeah, I mean, I'm just reading off here. 38% of schools give these grades out in year seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. So that's, you know, nearly half of schools are telling kids in that year group what their GCSEs are going to be, or at least in some way tainting them. And, 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 and that's where I would agree with, uh, you know, some of the things that have been said. About, Can I come know, in? Sorry, keep going. I can't yeah. find a hand up. Does, <laughs> does, you know, does, does, us telling someone it a bit like your hot dog analogy tom or the hot dog story does us telling them it affect you know what they are going to get in some way and that that i think is my worry go on maxine thank you nathan sorry to interrupt i feel really strongly on this one the hot dog analogy is great and i agree with you totally nathan it's not going to change what they're going to get um so it's based on if it's based on key stage two sats if the children did really badly if something had happened in their lives that could leave them having um targets that are too low potentially again you know it also happens at primary and key stage one key stage two tests are so different so it it leaves either teachers and school leaders um, under enormous pressure um, or children and parents with with something that's completely inaccurate at, at individual level. We know that disadvantaged children um, and disadvantaged students will start the system already potentially lower than their peers anyway so if they're just targeted in the same way that then definitely definitely doesn't work on so many levels so so for me this one's got to go in, and uh, thanks, Hannah, for bringing it up. And apologies for interrupting. Tom, can that's all right. Tom, I want to like just extend this target grade out for as long as I possibly can of this example. But in England, there is a baseline on entry to year R, right? Tom, yes. With me? Um, however yeah. controversial that may be, but okay. yes, right. So we get that. That tells us, you know, maybe in some way, although we shouldn't be using radius predictors, where we're going to get end of uh, year R or our key stage one data point, right? Although we know that those are going or gone. Then those predict our key stage two, okay? So we're always on this trajectory from entry. The key stage two protects our GCSEs, our GCSEs go on. You know, there is a worry there of this train trap that from entry, we are putting these children on from four years old, possibly, or, you know, onto a train track of prediction rather than us looking at letting them spread their wings and reach their full potential and i think there's a massive problem there with it's not just in secondary school there's a flight path pre-secondary school there's a flight you know we are teachers have put these flight paths in for the whole of their education and that's a real problem got lots of hands up to choose from tom um let's hear from claire first of all Hello, thank you. Um, just picking up on what Maxine and a couple of people said about the disadvantage, because I work in alternative division, literally see the damage every day that these targets have done, because students come in and they just assume that they're a failure, and it literally takes months, months and months of relationship building and building trust. And then they realise that they can achieve and they can go out there and they can be successful in whatever way that looks like for them. But so many of them come in and say, I was written off. I was told I'd get a one. And it's, 
it's the soul destroying when you see that and you think actually they're capable of so much. So absolutely agree that certain individual targets gotta go in the bin. I caught most of that. You were a bit muffled there, Claire, but thank you for that. Um, let's go back to Catherine. Hello, yeah, I just, on the primary targets, I've got a bit of, with the, my, my little boy has done his um, key stage one um, a little while ago. And, you know, with the reading test in particular, you have to read, but then you have to write the answer down. Now, he's an okay reader, but he's dyslexic, so his writing's just horrendous. And so to think that a target that came out of a reading test where actually your writing's what, how they measure it, when you are dyslexic, just the implications of that over the course of a school career is really quite scary. And so I just wanted to throw that in. At the same time, though, it's an indication perhaps of how well that particular child might do at the end of year 11 because of the nature of um, GCSE tests as well. Um, and this is a problem, of course, when it's used at individual levels, um, you know, it doesn't pretend, it doesn't take it, these things into account. Um, I'm trying to so say what are we, we're saying individual target grades into staff room 101. Are we happy with that? Yeah, I think at, at that that phrasing of it, Tom, I, I think probably is the most uh, you know accurate for the messages we've heard from everyone here. I think so. Okay, this is the moment then, which I've been really looking forward to. Um, sh shall we put it into? A, let's flash it down, but into starting one on first of all. Um, this is the moment which I've been waiting for. This is the moment when um, I worry, well, somebody's going to be worried, but we're going to get sued um, because I'd like to do my recommendation for Staff Room 101 now. Um, Nathan has managed to get um, work-related dread back into Staff Room 101. I would like to suggest somebody who for many years has been the cause of that work-related dread, somebody who I think has tainted um, the reputation of an organisation that, you know, is, you know, whether you like it or not, is important um, in terms of ensuring that schools are held to account. I would like to put into Staff Room 101, you know, she runs her job bends in three days time amanda spielman and i'd like to tell you why <laughs> just deafening silence there just for a second was was utterly palpable sorry adam will be quiet now i'd like to tell you why because i i i think and there'll be people who have been around in education longer than me um who might agree or might disagree and i'd love to hear from as many people as possible i think the offset framework is probably in a better place for secondary schools um, than it was before. Primary schools is completely different, so there needs to be a separate framework for primary. Um, but for secondary schools, the Oxford framework is in a better place than it was before Spielman. Um, there's, it's harder to game. You have to think very hard about what you're teaching and why, and I think that's better, and it gives the kids a better experience in school. I think for the last 12 months, I think anybody else... Well, 99% of people in Spielman's shoes could have handled everything that happened after the death of Ruth Perry a hundred thousand times better and there are two moments for me um, and this is a Christmas special and Amanda Spielman is leaving Ofsted at the end of this year um, there are two moments for me where I thought 
this person is not fit to be the head of an organisation like Ofsted. There was the moment when she said that the inspection had been investigated to death, which she then apologised for. And there was a moment when she said that the death of Ruth Perry had been used as a pivot by teachers and leaders to discredit Ofsted, which she hasn't apologised for. And forget the education inspection framework, forget the research reviews, which I think certainly for history have been quite good. I know that for other subjects like maths, they've been a bit more controversial. Um, forget any good that has happened in Ofsted recently in Spielman's tenure. The way she's handled Ofsted's response to the death of Ruth Perry, as pointed out by the coroner, um, you know, insensitive, completely sociopathic, and simply fake heavens, she's not going to be the next chair of the BBC because it'd be privatised in six months if she got anywhere near it, to be honest with you, um, in terms of how she does in terms of interviews and things like that. She, ne she Before she became Officer Chief Inspector, she'd never taught a lesson. She'd never been a teacher. She'd certainly never been a head teacher. She's never sat in there. She's gone on to the media and made wildly misleading comments like all of our Ofsted inspectors have experienced as being school leaders. Well, actually, many of them don't. They've only been middle leaders. They, you know, all, all of our inspectors know what it's like to be in the chair. No, they don't, actually. Very few of them do. Um, it, and it feels as though the profession, I, I don't like using this word um, unless I feel like it's truly deserved. I feel as though under her leadership, under her tenure, the um, teaching profession has been gaslit by Ofsted. And it just feels like complete contradiction um, in approach. It feels as though we've been let down, really, by officers' response to the death of Ruth Perry in particular. I've no idea what Sir Martin Oliver will do, but he has at least led a school. He has led a bunch of schools. He knows what the pressure is on head teachers as a result of offset inspections. Amanda Spielman doesn't know her, you know, her back behind from her elbow in that regard, and. I'm not sorry to see her go, and I hope we can put into Star Room 101. That is the end of my rant, everybody. Well, you've, you've left me uh, an, an inenviable position here, Tom, of having to defend her, uh, or at least come out on the side to try and show some balance. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and give some points here. I, you know, I, I, your points are echoed by, at the time, uh, of her pre-appointment hearing at the Education Select Committee, uh, cited her lack of teaching experience, expressed concerns about her suitability and her failure to show passion and a lack of understanding for the complex role that she was taking on. So they recommended she would, they recommended that the government, the DfE at the time, shouldn't have appointed her yeah. chief inspector. The Secretary of State for Education at the time, who I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, was Nikki Morgan, um, overruled. Um, Select committees are non-binding, binding. their recommendations are always non-binding, but, you know, the Secretary of State ignored the Select Committee and appointed her anyway. Um, so we then go into, so that was, uh, we then go into 2018, uh, some policy decisions from her that I am uh, admittedly taking off Wikipedia. Uh, she um, supported a, a uniform policy uh, for a primary school that didn't permit the hijab uh, in Key Stage 1, um, which the NEU um, said was uh, naked racism, 
uh, dressed up as liberalism. In 2018, she backed a ban on mobile phones in classrooms and in the same speech urged strict discipline, saying there's nothing kind about letting a few pupils spoil school for everyone else. Uh, in 2018, again, she said that basic parenting duties should not be outsourced to schools. I mean, some of these things are uh, the things that do get said by, by teachers and some parts of the educational establishment. So she's not wildly off the mark with a couple of those things there. 2019, she said that students who had sexual assault allegations made against them should be free to continue attending school alongside their accusers. This contradicted Ofsted's own guidance uh, and led to a lot of criticism about her being uh, unfit to be head of Ofsted. And uh, then obviously you've mentioned some of the the, the issues around uh, COVID and her dealing with it. And of course, the, the final entry for her on her Wikipedia is about uh, Ruth Perry and her, her, her handling of that. Um, it's not a great read uh, when you look at her achievements in post. And uh, I am finding it very hard to kind of find many things that history might say she came out on the right side of, Tom. I mean, a lot of this discussion we're going to have on Sunday, any Sunday morning anyway, um, as part of the 2023 review, which is going to be hosted by our wonderful admin tonight, Lucy Neuberger, where we delve into the biggest education news stories of 2023. Um, that's available to stream um, live from 10am on New Year's Eve um, via LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, um, Facebook, just about anywhere, really. Um and we've got a wonderful stellar panel um, to dissect the stories of 2023 on that one. Um, I mean, look, you, I, I think, you know, there's also this issue and it's wider than Spielman, I think, about Ofsted. Ofsted has made, Ofsted says it is not a force for school improvement. Its job is not to improve schools. Its job is to evaluate schools. But that, but even though it says that, that's, it's just not true because any head teacher worth their salt after an Ofsted inspection will look at the areas of improvement, both the ones which are published and also the ones we know that head teachers are told things by Ofsted inspectors which don't make the final report, um, where you know the inspectors go and they say, Well, actually, we could have pulled this thread if we wanted to, um, but we actually chose to focus on this instead. Um, head teachers use that to plan their school improvement trajectory for the next few years. Um, we Ofsted has published these reports on the provision, evaluating the provision of subjects in schools at primary and secondary level and have made recommendations as to how these subjects should be planned and taught and assessed. You'd be mad as a subject leader or senior leader not to look at what Ofsted is saying and do that. And yet Offset and Spielman has said, and I got into an argument with their press officer once about this, Offset claims it is not a force for school improvement. But it that's what it current that's what it is, even though it doesn't want to be. Um, and for me, having somebody like Spielman at the head of this organization who we sound like a broken record, who has never taught, who has never led a school, who has never been in the chair, who has never been through an Oxford inspection on the other side as a teacher or as a head teacher. It just removes credibility from the organisation. And that's why I want her in Staff in 101, because I don't want her anywhere near education in 2024 or beyond. And Nathan, I know you've got the hardest job in the world, which is defending her. Um, 
well, she survived eight education secretaries. Does that, is that, oh no, sorry, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven, I think, education secretaries. I'm just counting them down. Eleven? Wait, hang on. Who are they then? No, sorry, because no, Nikki Morgan wasn't then by the time she was appointed into uh, Ofsted. So Morgan appointed her, though. Morgan appointed her. And then I'm just trying to work out whether Justin Greening was still in. Yeah, Justin. So Justin she would Greening. Have been. This is a bit like, you know, as a history teacher, I'm often asked to repeat to, to work out the names of the kings and queens in order. Okay, uh, so as, as was... a head of politics, I have to do the prime minister's board. I'm quite good at that. I can't do the education. This is, this is the big, big fat goes. quiz of the year. Big fat quiz of the year. I mean, I could, I could name them, but I couldn't, tell, I couldn't tell you what order they came. How many... How many have there been One, after two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? Uh, so nine. Nine after, after Gove. Gove. Nine after Gove. Right, are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to name them. No, in no particular order. Nicky Morgan. Uh, wait, so yes. Damien Hines. Yes. Justine Greening. Yeah. James Cleverly. Yeah. Michelle Donnellan, oh. Ford of uh, two days. Yeah, yeah. Gillian um, Keegan. Yeah. I've got three left. Yeah. Um, Zahawi. Yeah. Two more. <sighs> I feel like I'm missing an obvious one, but I'm not sure I am. Um, that'd have been another stopgap, won't it? There. It was Zahawi before Keegan, so we're looking around somewhere in the middle, I think. I've done seven out of nine. I think that's good. Yeah. So Kit Malthouse. Oh, yeah. Whoever he was. So that was like a couple of months, I think. Yeah. Um, and then did you say Nicky Morgan? I said Nicky Morgan, yeah. Oh, maybe I've miscounted. I think maybe Justin Greening's on there twice because I'm reading from two different lists. Uh, yeah. So like she survived a lot. There's stability in, in her tenure, if that makes sense for her, at least. But she was appointed to a a fixed term anyway, so, which was then extended. There? Which was then extended by two years. So right. I don't think that is through her personal traits or qualities. Um, although it's remarkable that the education secretary hadn't sacked her. Uh, to be honest, nine education secretaries and four prime ministers. You know, I think you know. Let, let's say something for longevity, at least maybe in our current climate of, uh, of politics. Although, oh, of speaking, course, I miss Gavin politics. Williamson. Oh yeah, he did. <laughs> How could you forget? <laughs> oh, Gavin. I think we've. I think we've. Because he's in Starscream One Hundred and One. I think we already. I think I sort of tried to remove him from my memory. Um, I, yeah. So, like, I, you know, she has been there, right? Mm. So that that's what I'm saying as a positive. So she's I'm turned just... up. She's turned up to do her job. And actually, you know, of all the bad things that she could possibly have done, she, there are only listed on Wikipedia one, two, three, four, five absolutely appalling decisions. So, you know, I, I, you know that's possibly five appalling ones whilst seeing out nine education secretaries and four prime ministers is, you know, something to be said, maybe. I mean, I, I I could say something really offensive, but I'm not going to um, about longevity. I, I don't think you should win an award for longevity. Um, anybody anybody want to make the case to keep Amanda? Anybody else want to make the case to keep Amanda Spielman out of Starfrey One Hundred and One? Um, because while you 
consider the case for the defence. Um, it's another good time for me to remind you that this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Yeah, I'm on there now, actually, Tom. I've just uh, got my top 10 results for stress that I typed in after our conversation earlier. They've got a book called Teacher Resilience, Managing Stress and Anxiety to Thrive in the Classroom. They've got an online, online conference as well, which I'm very excited about, about well-being. Oh, as I say, it's well worth checking out. I'm just that's 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 what I'm just going through as we talk. They about all, they also have books all about book Ofsted, taking control, how to prepare for Ofsted inspection, um, ed, leading a school in a time of uncertainty, uh, the secondary curriculum leaders' handbook, the primary curriculum leaders' handbook, rethinking school inspection. Lots of books about Ofsted on the John Cat Bookshop website. Um, I do want to hear from. Maxine on this one because Maxine is a former head um, where what is Amanda Spielman's legacy okay so I'm just gonna come in and give Nathan maybe a little bit of help on the positive and say um, where one of the things that I really hate about Ofsted is about how personal it can be about the heads and that's I think something that came through the the Ruth Perry inquiry as well and it's it's maybe is it about the system is it something else that we should depersonalize it a little bit and take it away from Amanda herself so yeah there are some mistakes being made maybe she wasn't the right person in the job it's not about her personally it's not about her as a human being i don't i don't know her there may be many things that are wonderful that wikipedia um have missed out that nathan's got to know so that that's my little bit of positive but um ofsted my goodness that whole discussion about is it isn't it for school improvement um we all know that a, a pig is not going to thrive if we just keep weighing it and, and not feeding it and not actually, you know, sort of doing things to really look after it and make sure it, it can thrive and, and be the best pig it can be. And, and therefore, in education, um, a system that is there specifically just to weigh and, and then also giving those big four um, judgments, those big single word judgments is is in, in indefensible, I think, and the change that's got to come, and that's probably a debate for a different day and a whole show of itself, um, should definitely, definitely be in, in Room 101, those single word judgments. So, and that's part of the legacy. Whether that is totally down to Spielman or is more about DFE and, and other judgments, I don't know, but they should definitely be in, definitely be in 101 um, without a shadow of a doubt. So should that whole point about um, how heads feel when their school is given one of those judgments that isn't um, a one or a two and how personal that is. That, that should definitely be in 101. And what should be there in its place? Something that is going to improve the life of um in school for children and educational chances for all children and, and to make schools as great as they they can be and if that is something that is a force for school improvement that's absolutely what it should be so that's Spielman's legacy from me um, but trying to take it and make it a little bit less personal if we can just because that that's that's how I roll now I'm not a head anymore maybe if I was still in that head sheet, head seat um, I wouldn't be quite so kind and soft on that one I mean, we've got 
about five, we've got about ten minutes left, haven't we? Um, we've got Paul, we've got Hannah, we've got Catherine, we've got Claire. Uh, what what is Spielman's legacy? Um, there's been an increased focus on the curriculum, um, which has been positive. Certainly, in secondary schools, um, primary schools, particularly smaller primary schools, have had to struggle with that regard. That can't necessarily be put on Spielman. But what what is Amanda Spielman's legacy after her tenure as um, his Majesty, I was about to say Her Majesty, His Majesty's Chief Inspector, um, Hannah, and what's your contribution here? I, I, I'm going to be the opposite, and I'm going to go personal. I, th I think her doing those that Women's Hour interview just made it so personal. She was just so disrespectful with the way that she used that pivot remark about how teachers are going to use this inquiry to pivot when it's somebody's life. And she also repeatedly said that she'd contacted the family, but the family were like, we've had no contact from her. She was just so inhumane and didn't show any passion towards that family for what she's caused and what the system caused. She just has no respect for the issues that it's caused to people's mental health. And I think I think that's the thing that is obviously Ofsted does need to change, but her legacy is that she just completely missed the mark when she did that interview and had no respect for the family. Yeah, I think the entire PR in the last um, 12 months or certainly in the last six months has been a complete disaster. I've no idea who's been advising her on that. I've no idea who does her media relations, public relations, but it's been a complete disaster. And my personal view, others will have a different view, is that any goodwill for Ofsted um, that I had while she was in charge went. And I think there are, there are people, certainly on social media, on Twitter, on edgy Twitter, who I consider to be barometers of education opinion, um, the bellwebbers, if you like, and those who tend to be on the fence, so to speak, or maybe fairly small C conservative, or, you know, may have different views on this one. To see so many people who otherwise were maybe on the fence or non-committal come out against Spielman after that Women's Hour interview was so remarkably telling of lots of people who had previously had time for her, who may have met her at education conferences and been, you know, complimentary or certainly not scathing. As soon as we heard that interview and as soon as we heard some of the things that she had to say about Offset as an institution and about um, Reeve Perry and about response to that when she'd been directly contradicted by Julia Waters and Reeve's same family, I think a lot of goodwill towards Offset was lost in that particular moment and it's happened it's happened before um as well she's made similar comments before which have been you know not particularly inviting to the teaching profession so yeah i tend to agree on that one um any final words before we have the vote on staff room 101 for amanda spielman paul anything you want to add uh, thumb down there from paul any final words no, awful. It's just, yeah, it's inevitable. I could, you could throw them all in, to be honest. Anyone who's been head of education or Ofsted for a long time, they could go in as a package. I'm not sure if that's on the, not on, I'm not sure if that's on the table for tonight, but uh, maybe in a future <laughs> one. Um, give and, us some. And, give, we need some other shows, Paul. Come on, like we need content for other shows. We can't put. Them in. Put the whole lot of them in. They're all awful. Uh, no, we, we, we need to spread it out a little bit. We'll do them one at a time. 
Um, what are we saying? Amanda Spielman in Staff Room 101? I, I don't think we have many individuals in Staff Room 101, to be honest. I think Gavin Williamson's in there, but I think that might be it. So um, to sort of get in there ahead of Julian Keegan, I think we tried to put Zahawi in there in the past. And, you know, we don't tend to put individuals into Staff Room 101. Does Spielman deserve a place in there next to Gavin Williamson? Uh, you know, Tom, the, 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 the real thing is, what is it? Seven years now she's had and, um, you know, has is Ofsted in a better place than when it where it was seven years ago. And, and I, I think, you know, as you've said, the, 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 the feelings of, re, of teachers on the ground is it's been left in a worse state. And I think that is the legacy. But I think it could have been left in a better position. And there are parts of Ofsted that are better off compared to when Spielman took up the position. But the reputational damage that Spielman has caused pretty much single-handedly to the organisation in the last 12 months has led to a groundswell of public opinion, not not just public opinion, but teachers' opinion, turning against not just Spielman, but Ofsted as an institution. And Spielman has done a lot of that damage individually by herself. And there are people who I know who inspect for Ofsted, who I do have time for, who continue to inspect for Ofsted and have their reasons for doing so, and I don't hold that against them at all. But I think the damage which has been done by one single person to an organisation means that Spielman has to go into Staff Room 101. We might keep her set in separate corner to um, Gavin Williamson. Um, Gavin's got his own little room in Staff Room 101, but I do think she deserves to be in Staff Room 101 with Gavin Williamson too. I'll let you do the honours, Nathan. Uh, I will press the button. Let's just hope that in a year's time we're not having the same conversation about Sir Martin Oliver. I do genuinely wish him the very best. He he does follow Teachers Talk Radio. Um, so, you know, that, that's one thing that he's got which is better. Um, yeah, listen, listen to teachers. Like, you know, I've said this about education secretaries and other people. Talk to real teachers. Come on. Yeah. Like, you know, listen to real teachers, talk to real teachers. Um, you will, you know, it will be mixed you know, but it will be real. Yeah, definitely. Um, who knows where Austin's going to go? We'll find out very soon. Um, anyway, um, we've come to the end of Staff Room 101 tonight. Um, 90 minutes of edgy talk and edgy and throwing things into the edgy trash. Um, on Sunday morning, I've already said this already, but we have the 2023 review on New Year's Eve. Um, we have a star-studded panel hosted, chaired by the wonderful Lucy Neuberger, um, discussing all of the big things that have happened in education in the last 12 months. Looking ahead as well, making some predictions for 2024. Um, if you've missed our first two Christmas um, specials, on the 27th, we had the international teaching um, episode with um, Daisy Turner and Lucy Neuberger talking about the benefits and the pitfalls of moving to teach abroad. You can catch up with that on our website, ttradio.org forward slash listen back um, and at all podcast providers as well. The other show, our second Christmas show that we've had um, was yesterday. That was for wonderful hosts of Christmas past, Ed Finch and Toby Payne Cook, who had hosted the Christmas Social, talking about their dream edgy edu dinner party, again their hopes for 2024, and just what they've been up to since they finished hosting with us. Um, so it's an absolute joy 
to have Ed and Toby back um, with us and you can catch up on what they had to offer um, with their Christmas social again on our website and on all podcast platforms. This show may well be available to listen back to on a podcast. We're never quite sure with Star 101, but it will be here on Twitter for the next 30 days anyway. Um, you can catch the 2023 review live if you'd like to host with us and be the host of Christmas Yet to Come, I've used that pun more than once this Christmas, um, then please do DM us um, at TT Radio Official. Please do email us at info at um, One of us will get back to you. We should give you your options. We have monthly options. We have fortnightly options. We have weekly options for those of you who, are, who really do have the time to host. We appreciate that teaching, we're all teachers, teaching it's a time poor profession we, we don't have much time to think um but genuinely we've all got so much out of being a teacher's talk radio host and um, for however long we have and we could not recommend it more anyway it's good night from me uh good night for me not start and good night from everybody thank you to our listeners and we shall see you very very soon take care You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.